This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 173. The sooner you realize that everyone in this community wants you to win and wants to help you win, the more of those people you put around you, the better off you're going to be. Whether you have zero deals or a thousand deals, it doesn't matter. Put people around you that are doing what you want to do. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, information, motivation that you need to kickstart your real estate investing career. Ashley Kerr, what's going on? What's new? Well, I'm super excited, first of all, that we have one of our friends on the show today, Tyler Madden. Yeah, Tyler's a good friend of both of ours. Ashley brought him onto the podcast first, and Tyler and I got to meet each other in person in Denver. Then he and I spent some time together at Maui, then again in Vegas. So love having Tyler on the show, and he's, he's got a really great story to share as well. Basically, he's still all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> no, but Tyler and his wife, Zosha, um, are the best. They're out of Denver. And so we had Tyler on last year, and he's going to talk about what he has accomplished in just one year. Um, but before we get into the episode, I want you guys to go and check out the Real Estate Rookie YouTube channel. And you know, go through the videos. What do you like? What don't you like? Leave us comments. We'd love to hear back from you guys because we're going to be creating more and more content to add to the channel. And of course, make sure you're subscribed so that uh, you can get notifications when new videos are added. Yeah. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Spotify, whatever platform you listen to the audio version of, please do us a huge favor. Make sure you're subscribed and you're you're leaving reviews there. You know, Ash and I, we were looking through some of the other top podcasts and we're like, man, like we're not getting nearly as many reviews as some of these other podcasts. So help us out. You know, if, if the show's helped you in any way, shape or form, just leave an honest rating and review and we'd appreciate it. Yeah, we would love to hear in the reviews, um, especially how the podcast have helped you, which guests were the most memorable and really made an impact on your life. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. 
Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So let's get into another episode that is going to be impactful and insightful for you guys with our friend, Tyler Madden. Tyler Madden, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for uh, having me again. I'm super excited to be here with you guys. We are so excited to have you back. So for somebody who doesn't know who you are, and I can't believe they wouldn't know, but <laughs> please tell everyone a little bit about yourself and also uh, what podcast you episode you were originally on for The Real Estate Rookie. Yeah. So my name is Tyler Madden. I was on the uh, Rookie Podcast episode number 55. Um, and at that point, I did not have any uh intentional real estate uh, investing deals. I had a accidental home uh, that we turned into a rental and I was gearing up to really put my, uh, you know, put, put my work in and pursue real estate. Um, but I'm a general contractor. I have a retail facing um, high-end luxury remodel company. And I also invest in multifamily real estate here in Denver, Colorado. Um, so I've, I've come a long way in the last year since we uh, spoke last. Well, I think Tony and I know a little bit of your story, but we're hoping to really dive into a lot more of what you have accomplished in this full year. So when since you've first been on, kind of give us the backstory, what has happened? Yeah. So last time I was on, I was really focusing on uh, honing my mindset and getting into a place where I thought I was prepared and confident enough to really start investing uh, intentionally. And then um, pretty much right after that, I was making offers on market, kind of going for the low hanging fruit, making offers on flips, making offers on uh, buy and hold rentals. And um, we ultimately found a multifamily property. Um, it was a four unit property that we went and toured. And uh, actually we didn't tour it. We were in Hawaii and we had a realtor tour it and show us the video. Uh, but we made an offer on that one. Uh, we didn't end up getting that property under contract, but we, uh, we made a very strong offer, well over asking price. And then we made it pretty clear to our, uh, our real estate agent what we were looking for, what our criteria was. So he went and did a little digging and found another multifamily property. And he said, hey, it's, uh, it's under contract right now. It's more likely to fall out than it is. But if you go in with the same terms that you wrote that one, all cash, uh, waiving your inspection, quick close, all those sort of things. He's like, if you go in strong like that, the agent told me that they'd much rather have your offer. So I said, well, I wasn't looking for that one. It was a threeplex. Um, so, but we said, yeah, let's might as well, we need something. Um, so we got that one under contract 
And then a week and a half later, we get a call from the first property and they tell us, hey, our other uh, our other offer fell through. You guys are the next ones. Do you want it? And I just laughed at them uh, because initially I was like, of course I want it, but there's no way that I can do that. And then the more I thought about it, I said, hold on, is there a way I can do that? Uh, so ultimately, long story short, we ended up getting both properties, a threeplex and a fourplex under contract simultaneously, uh, amounting to a million dollars worth of real estate that we opted to buy at nine months pregnant. We were expecting a baby and we said, hey, if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. So we went we went all in and uh, now we're on the tail end of one of the refinances uh, of the birds. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at is I'm in, the, I'm in the thick of it. Yeah, so Tyler, you, you've obviously grown a lot uh, th- this past year, man. So kudos to you for really knocking it out the Thank park, you. brother. But um, I, I wanna talk a little bit about some of maybe the, the lessons learned uh, from this past year for for you and kind of in your business. So I don't know if you want to go deal by deal or maybe just like in general, but like what are some of the things that you've learned that have been really impactful for you when you think about this threeplex or this fourplex? Yeah, uh, I'd say one of the biggest things that I learned is being a general contractor, it's really difficult for me to justify paying someone else to do what I'm fully capable of. So on both of these projects, I've been extremely hands-on where I've hired out as little as possible um, in an effort to really juice these deals. And if we get to talking about uh, the final numbers, you'll see how well I juice them. Um, but I, I dedicated so much time and I, I sacrificed so much more than I wish I would have. Let me take that back. I don't wish I would have done it differently because these will set me up in a way um, that you know a standard deal wouldn't have. But I can't foresee myself doing more deals in this way where I'm sacrificing all of my time just to make the deal uh, the best that it can be. I'd say that's my first lesson, um, especially for rookies that are listening. Like It's a great way to get uh, a deal or make a deal the best that you can just so that you, know, you rip the Band-Aid off, you get in the game, that sort of thing. But uh, to think that that's going to be something that you're going to do for every project for forever, um, it's just not not likely to happen. So I'd say that was one of the biggest lessons. And like I said, we bought these when we were nine months pregnant. I have almost a one-year-old now, and I can't justify doing this anymore. Um, so that'll be a different uh, a different concept and a different mindset towards real estate investing where I embrace the the concept of who, not how. Instead of saying, how do I do it? It'll be, who can I get to do that? Um, that's, that's the number one, you know, low hanging fruit, uh, lesson that I would share with rookies. So Tyler, we spent a little bit of time together in Maui as well, right? We we were at a mastermind together. We spent some time out there and both of us were kind of at like these weird spots in our business where we weren't quite really sure where we wanted to go or how we wanted to grow. And I do remember one of the things you said was that, you know, there was a big, time commitment that was required in order for you to scale your rental portfolio. And when you thought about the kind of life you wanted as a real estate investor, the actual reality wasn't lining up because there was such a big time commitment from you. So what have you started doing? Like how, how have you kind of changed your business to better support the, uh, I guess the time requirement that's needed from you? Yeah. So my business previously, my business and my real estate investing were two different things where my business is client facing remodels, um, that sort of thing for homeowner clients. And my real estate investing was my gig where, Hey, I buy them personally. I work on them personally and I enjoy the benefits of them personally. Um, but now I'm, uh, I'm growing my teams. Uh, again, my business was just me for the longest time. I was self-performing everything, uh, doing everything. And, and that's just not sustainable. So I've begun bringing people onto my team. I've got a couple of fantastic employees right now, and I'm getting to a point where I'm 
becoming more comfortable um, sitting in the leadership role rather than the even even the manager role or the doer role. I think uh, you and I both experienced having to step up our uh, involvement in terms of leading. Um, and that was a big takeaway for me. And I'm learning more about how to embrace that uh, role within my business. And then ultimately the separation between business and real estate, I'd like to close that gap and bring them under one uh, one effort where I'd like to start purchasing larger multifamily, commercial multifamily under the umbrella of my business and allow my employees to take part in the fruits of, uh, of those. So it's not like, hey, go work on my personal property, have my employees do that sort of thing. Um, but it was a mental shift, kind of, again, embracing that delegation of tasks and having the trust that people are going to do things right. Tyler, I want to kind of go back to when you first started talking about what you've done in a year. You mentioned you bought a million dollars in real estate. Uh-huh. So I think a lot of people right away are like, how did you do that? And also, how? Wh- why did you want to do that? I mean, th- for your your first intentional deals, you're buying a million dollars at once, two different properties. So if you could go through and just explain how you made that happen and also why you weren't afraid to all of a sudden spend a million dollars. I'm going to start with the why, because I think it's more important than the how. Um, and honestly, big numbers don't scare me because ultimately the math penciled out. It doesn't matter if it's a $100,000 deal or a million dollar deal. If you know what your analysis looks like and you know that it's relatively accurate, none of it's going to be perfectly accurate. But if you're being uh, being intentional about making the analysis a super important part of it, you know, I don't care how much it's going to cost as long as I know that it pencils out. Um, and you know, money isn't something that, that scares me. And I honestly, you know, to change topic a little bit, I don't do this for the money. I do this for the freedom. I don't care how much money's in my bank account. I don't care how much I have to spend. If it gives me, uh, an opportunity to get the lifestyle that I want and the time freedom that I want. So, um, it was just a means to an end to spend a million dollars. Um, not I'll do it again and I'll spend more. Um, so I think that's, that's the why, um, a lot of people getting started, they're fearful of the dollars because, you know, they have, uh, they have a concept of, Oh, I could lose it. Um, more times than not, you're not going to lose it. You'll just break even, uh, you know, so it's, it's not something that I was fearful of. And then the, how I would say, um, you know, initially I was trying to figure out the same thing. I got two properties under, under contract and I didn't know how. So, um, calling around and talking to people that were more advanced than me or a few steps ahead of me, asking them, Hey, how have you seen this done? How would you recommend getting this done? Ashley, you were, you were one of the very first calls that I made when I got these under contract. I I asked you the same thing. Um, but what we did, I'll I'll just break it down. We got hard money for both properties. Um, so hard money in, uh, in our case, they'll lend up to 80% of the purchase price. Um, and then my minimum requirement personally, based on the hard money, uh, lenders requirements was that I put 10% in personally. So on both properties, we had to put in 10%. And if you're doing math along with me, that leaves a 10% gap, 80%, 10%, you're only at 90% still. So I found a private money lender for the 10%. Um, ultimately that wasn't a super hard sell. I had, uh, I had proven that, Hey, I do this for a living. I have a track record of fixing properties. This is nothing that I'm, that I'm unfamiliar with. So it wasn't hard to find private money. Um, so the combination of those three, and then I funded, uh, personally my rehabs on, uh, on both of them. And if you want to know where I got that money from, go listen to episode number 55, where I talk about HELOCs. Cause I think they are freaking amazing. 
Yeah. I, I want to touch on the private money, Tyler, but before I do, I want to go back to something that you said, where you said that, that you weren't necessarily intimidated by the big purchase price because you knew that the numbers still worked. And I think that is a... Not adopting that mindset is a mistake that I think a lot of rookies make, especially in today's climate where you are seeing this this, this upward pressure on uh, home values, where a lot of rookies are now sitting on the sidelines because they're saying, ah, that house is worth, you know, 80% of what it was a year ago today. So I don't know if I want to pay, you know, I, I think I'm going to wait for this impending crash or for this next thing to happen. And it's like the people that are saying that are the ones that are going to be missing out. Yes. Because no one has a crystal ball on where the market is going. There are signs, there are indicators, and we can make educated guesses. But if, you know, if you plan to be a real estate investor and you want to hold this thing for five, 10, 20 years, who cares what the market's going to do in the next 12 months? I'm looking at, you know, I'm glad that you said that, right? Yeah, because it's, it's a mistake that so many people make. And at the end of the day, the one thing you want to focus on is, can I get the return that I want? And as long as that box is checked, who cares what the market is doing? Especially with the rental concept of holding them. I'm getting into this, you know, I want to hold my properties as long as possible. I'm not trying to flip them. I'm not trying to get in and make my nut really fast. Uh, You know, my turnaround is, 15, 30 years on these properties. So quite frankly, I don't care what the market does right now, as long as it gives me the immediate returns uh, to at least sustain. I'm not, I'm not trying to get rich next year. And if you are, go play with crypto. Uh, I mean, real estate's <laughs> not your freaking place to, to be an overnight millionaire. It's just the long and the short of it. Yeah. Tyler, to get your hard money, what are some hoops you had to jump through to get hard money, especially this being your first intentional deal? So I named my son after a hard money lender, uh, my firstborn son. That was a requirement. Um, actually, <laughs> now that now that I mentioned that, makes way more sense. Still skin. <laughs> <laughs> now that makes way more sense. My son's name is Cash. Um, so <laughs> I was just making that joke. Um, but the hoops I had to jump through, um, it was ultimately being a general contractor and having the hands-on experience of renovating at a large scale. Uh, it was a much easier sell than coming in as just a complete rookie that has no concept of how to run uh, a job site, no concept of how real estate works, any of that sort of stuff. So fortunately, my single family home that we turned into a rental, uh, that counted as a as a transaction. So most uh, hard money lenders, they want to see that you've got transactions under your belt. Um, ultimately, if you don't have transactions under your belt, you can still get money from them. It's not like they're going to tell you, no, go get, you know, go get a deal and come back to me. Um, they'll just give you a little less friendly rates and terms. Um, so I called around to hard money lenders. I found one that offered, uh, the rates and terms that we liked. I asked other investors, uh, which hard money lenders they were using. And if they lended, uh, out of state or in other states, cause a lot of uh, the investors are kind of all over the country. Um, so the, the hoops, you know, just doing my due diligence and kind of sharing my experience was, uh, was helpful, but there weren't, there weren't any that I was intimidated by, like most rookies expect hard money uh, lenders to be. I want to ask one follow-up question because you also mentioned that you use a combination of private and hard. Um, so on that on that private money piece, where were you going? Were these you know were, were these aunts? Were these uncles? Were these like the rich grandparent? Um, were they friends? How did you find those people to lend to you on a private money uh, basis? Yeah. So ultimately in this scenario, I went to the place that I least wanted to because I needed to have things done in a hurry. Um, so I went to my dad. Uh, my dad was, uh, you know, he was, it wasn't, 
I never, I've never asked my dad for money. It's not something that I'm, that I like doing. I don't like asking people for favors. Um, and that created a situation where I had to embrace a different mindset where instead of asking for a favor, I had to convince him, not even convince him, but display to him that this is just a good move for you. Um, where, you know, he retired and has a great retirement and, but he doesn't invest. He's afraid of, uh, of the volatility. He's seen so many people lose money, but, um, for me, I had to make it obvious that, Hey, that money that you have sitting in the bank, especially with inflation, uh, is not doing you any favors. So let me put it to work for you. Let me, uh, let me borrow the money and make you more. So we actually just paid him back. And I would not be surprised if that's something where he's asking me uh, to invest. And, uh, the private money piece, that was just the first person that I reached out to. It's funny in the last few months, I've had more people reach out offering where I'm not even asking, I'm not looking, but more people via social media or via past clients of mine, um, they say, Hey, I know you get into real estate. I have, you know, some money that I'm sitting on. If you're taking on, you know, I'd like it if I could be an option. So now they're not looking, they're not waiting for me to ask them. They're actually saying, I'd like you to entertain my money as the next one. So it's almost like I'm doing them a favor. So shifting your mentality, I think is super important on the heart or on the uh, private money piece. Tyler, there's, there's like a, a few really important things you, you pointed out there, man. So the first, let me, let me ask you this question. How much work did your dad have to do on that private money deal? I mean, wiring that money must have been a huge pain uh, (laughs) for him. Actually, he delegated that to my mom. So uh, my dad (laughs) genuinely did nothing. He didn't even, he doesn't even know where the properties are. (laughs) Right. And and that's the point I want to make, right? Like when you're working with the private money lender, the extent of their work is vetting you as as the person, maybe vetting the deal and then sending the money. And once that's done, they sit back, they forget that that money is even gone. And then a few months later, they get their principal back plus all the interest that was due. That is the easiest return that they're ever going to make. I would wager that it is so much more common for those hard money or private money lenders to offer up more money to you on the next deals rather than just say, nope, that's a one and done thing. I'm just a one-time lender. As soon as they see how easy it is and how effective it was that, hey, I just put my money somewhere else for six months or a year and I got more back, they will offer you more time and time again. Once you get that first one, I guarantee you like the the what do they say? The, the training wheels are off where it's, it just gets easier and easier. And you're, you know, you're inundated with more and more opportunity to use other people's money. Man, holidays are going to be awkward for you after you find out that your dad breaks the news that he's now my private money lender. <laughs> it was a one and done deal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've heard your episodes where you're offering like 4% to your, don't you have a lender that you gave like less than market? <laughs> I'm doing, I I have, I have one that's, um, 30 or advertised over 30 years too. At, at what? 4%? With no balloon, not call a ball. No, that one I think is at five and a half percent. Well, uh, yeah. my private money lenders actually pay me to lend me their money. So I got both of you guys beat. <laughs> Um, Tyler, one of the things you mentioned that I thought was really important was that you framed it as an opportunity for him. And I think that's another thing that a lot of new investors forgets is that you're not, they're not doing you a favor, right? You're not, you're not putting your hand out asking for a favor. You're reaching out to them with an opportunity for them to get a good return on their investment. And I think that's a mindset change that a lot of new investors have to have to make to be comfortable reaching out uh, and presenting those private money opportunities. 
And I think it's really important if you are a rookie investor and you're going to go start, you know, making uh, making these conversations happen and talking to potential private money lenders, even if you don't have the experience, it's it's really easy to make the argument once you've got the experience, once you've got deals under your belt. But prior to having deals under your belt, I would say that use all of your analysis as your experience. Use the hours that you've spent listening to this podcast and, you know, researching things and doing analysis and show them, your, you know, whatever you need to and, and say, hey, I've been investing so much time into this and the knowledge that I have is not to be surpassed by the layperson. I think it's really easy to make that uh, conversation. You don't have to have the experience to, uh, to start talking to private money lenders. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch stage, to the first order stage, to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the bigger pocket bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash BP rookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash BP rookie now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash BP rookie. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Tyler, I want to go into the actual numbers on the deal now. So the purchase, what uh, the rehab looks like, and then the refinance. Do you want to start with the the triplex? Sure. Yeah, the triplex is the one that uh, the one that we've already got uh, through the refinance, and we're in the process on the quad. So yeah, we can start with that one. Okay. Just go ahead. Go ahead, and uh, you can kind of tell us the numbers of that. Yeah. This is your show, Tyler. You take the lead. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I don't know if I've shared with you guys yet, but I do consider myself the unofficial co-co-host of all things rookie. Uh, so, so I am pretty comfortable uh, doing that. I appreciate it. Just let me have that title, by the way. Assistant to the co-host. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, yeah. So for the triplex, the purchase price, um, we ended up buying it for $397,000. 
Uh, it was listed at 425,000. Um, so again, these were on the MLS in Denver, a very hot market. So, uh, for those of you that live in hot markets or say you can't find deals on the MLS, I will prove you wrong right now. Um, so not only did we get it under contract on, uh, the MLS, we negotiated it down 27, $28,000. Um, so that's where we ended up coming in. And then on the rehab, we ended up putting about seventy-five, $80,000 into the rehab. Um, and that includes furnishing all three of the units because we turned them into uh, midterm rentals for traveling nurses. But we can get to the why of, of that in a little while. And then, um, yeah, so full, complete gut job. We renovated absolutely everything. That's the way, being a GC, that's the way that I, you know, kind of force all of my properties to be is I want to do it right one time, spend the money up front and then minimize the ongoing uh, capital expenditures that come out of nowhere or any of the maintenance because I just want to do it once and not worry about it. And I got to see these properties. You did. This triplex. Yeah, I got to see it during You need rehab. to come back and see it when it's finished. I did. I didn't see the furniture in it, but I saw it. Well, it was almost finished, I guess. But uh, the, all the cabinets were in the flooring had just been put in and they were painting when I was there. Yeah. You both saw it when it was uh, completely under construction. Yeah. Right. Almost. right. Okay. So you did the rehab. How much did the rehab cost for the, the building? We'll call it $80,000. Okay. And then, um, so how long did that rehab take um, the full year? Forever. <laughs> it took so long. Um, that's another one of those things, uh, back to that lesson learned is it took longer than I wish it would have because I self-performed so much of it. Um, but I also know the ins and the outs of every single aspect of that. And I will not have any problems with anything for the foreseeable future. So yeah, we literally closed with five days to spare on our 12 month term on the hard money. So it was to the wire. And then what did the refinance look like? So the, you had an appraisal done and what were you able to pull back out of the property? So we went through the appraisal process and it came in lower than we were hoping. It came in at $580,000 um, and we were hoping for something with a six. Um, so we actually ended up reaching out to quite a few of our um, people in our network, whether, you know, real estate agents, other appraisers, um, people that could just help us look at this and, and um, put in, submit a, a rebuttal to the appraisal. Uh, team and the uh, the lenders. So we did that process and we gave them a lot of um, valid points and kind of chewed apart that appraisal. And they ended up coming back at $625,000. So we got them to come up, uh, was that $45,000, um, which was awesome. Wow. So six six twenty five bought it at three ninety seven. I think that's a pretty okay swing. So I saw your letter. Can you share a little bit or your email? What was in that? For everybody, because I think that is valuable information of what you exactly said to help get that increase. Yeah. So we didn't just tell the lender, hey, we're frustrated. We think it's worth more. We we needed to have facts to stand behind why we thought it was uh, more valuable than what they were uh, what they're appraising it. And um, honestly, you know, appraisers are people and they make mistakes and appraisers aren't always perfect. And, you know, what they put in their report isn't always gospel. You do have the opportunity to fight that. So in our email, uh, after reaching out to three different agents uh, here in Denver, friends of mine, to look it over and give supporting uh, feedback, we asked them to put more weight into the income approach rather than the comp approach. Because for multifamily, 
uh, a three unit property, it's three one bed, one bath properties, not a lot of those flying off the market to use as comps. So putting all that weight into the comps was, you know, it's, it's really tricky to justify. Um, and then he had some miscalculations on the income approach on the original one. So we just asked, uh, to adjust those. And then he gave a lot of, um, a lot of the other comps he was giving inconsistent, um, value to certain things, but it wasn't, it wasn't consistent across all of them. So kind of that combination of all those things, we said, Hey, there's this, 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 and this, and here's our supporting data. Um, and then we also asked him to use two other comps that we found that he wasn't entertaining. So, uh, none of it was a complaint or none of it was me being heated and trying to argue. It was just me stating the facts and saying, Hey, I'd like you to reevaluate this. And I'd like you to think about these things while you do, um, because we just can't justify the price that you gave, you kicked back. Okay. So Tyler, you get the new appraisal back. What does that look like? What did you able to pull back? Did you recoup all your money? Did you leave some money into the deal? And then let's talk about these midterm rentals and what these are. Yes. Uh, so we ended up, like I said, it appraised at $625,000. Um, so we could take out, we found a portfolio lender and a portfolio lender is one who doesn't sell your, um, your mortgage to Fannie and Freddie. So they're not bound by the same, uh, rules of going only to 70%, um, LTV. So we went up to 75% LTV. We got a new mortgage of $468,000. Um, and that was more than enough for me to pay back my hard money lender, uh, my private money lender. And then we ultimately got a uh, hundred, about a hundred thousand dollars, um, uh, a check for about a hundred thousand dollars and we had 121 into it. So we left about 20, $21,000 in the deal. That is not a bad burr at no. all. <laughs> It's and when we get to the cash flow part, I'll tell you right now, it's 156 percent uh, cash on cash return. Where I'll have that money recouped in less than nine months. That is amazing. Congratulations, Tyler. Thank you. So, go Thank into you. a little detail about why you decided to do a midterm rental and how that differs from short and long term. I kind of fell into that um, where we initially intended to do long-term rentals out of these units. And we said, hey, this area is not highly improved yet. It's uh, one of the few areas in the Denver and surrounding area uh, that isn't redone. And we saw that as an opportunity. So we uh, we ran our numbers with long-term rental rates, uh, market rent, that sort of thing. And then it became pretty apparent as we started uncovering more uh, more things that cost more money that we got to find a way to make more off of these properties because we're just not going to cut it. We would it would have been a way worse burr had we just stuck with um, with the long term renters. And it just so happens someone that follows me on Instagram has a property three blocks from there. They I'd post pictures and they're like, I know exactly where that is. And they reached out to me. Uh, it's their primary house and they Airbnb the basement of it. And he's like, Oh, did you have you thought about you know this that and the other? I uh, I do short-term rentals on my basement. And he was telling me what he was making off of that. And I was like, no way that can't, I was like, that was too good to be, be true. So I buried myself in the numbers and the analysis running numbers for what I could get on a short-term rental. And I was like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be like Tony. And, uh, <laughs> And then we come to find out the city of Aurora has regulations on that. So it's like, I'm not going to be rich like Tony. Um, so we, so we found out the regulations are similar to a lot of cities where you can't short-term rent 
anything for less than 30 days. So you can't have any agreements less than 30 days. So I said, cool, 31 day minimum. And then we're like, who the hell wants a place for 31 days? And we're literally a stone's throw away from a major hospital complex. There's a, it's a campus with a medical school and three hospitals on it. So we're like traveling nurses, that's who. Um, so we ran some numbers, did a lot more research and figured out that um, traveling nurses and midterm rentals pay somewhere between market rent and short-term, uh, short-term rents. But you've also got the, um, I like it. We do three month minimums. That's usually what the contract length for a traveling nurse is. I like it because we only have to get a cleaner in there every three months. It's not, you know, three times a month or five times a month or whatever. Um, so it just happened to be something that was a great opportunity that we didn't quite acknowledge right out of the gate. But I think we'll start pursuing more properties around hospitals because my God, it is, it is not a bad deal. Tyler. So what do you think the, like the revenue and cash flow numbers are actually end up being on this, uh, on this triplex now that you guys are doing the midterm rentals? So on this triplex, we've actually had them rented for the last three months and our monthly cash flow with our new mortgage is going to be around $2,500 a month wow. uh, off of these three units. Wow. So, um, yeah, awesome. not bad. Dude, that's amazing, man. And, and kudos to you for, um, I guess having the, the creativity to kind of think outside the box. Right. And, and, you know, I think some people wouldn't have even considered the midterm rental or I'm sorry, like, like doing anything other than a long-term rental. But even once you hit that first roadblock of, Hey, it's gotta be 30 days. You have the creativity to say, okay, we won't go short-term, but we'll go midterm and, and find a way to make that work. Now, are you just renting these out on Airbnb or using something like furnish finder? Are you going to the, the hospitals? Like, how are you actually finding these nurses? So we've got it posted on both. Uh, initially, we thought Furniture Finder was going to be, you know, the one one-stop shop for uh, for people. Um, we've got it listed there, and then we listed on Airbnb as well. And for whatever reason, we listed at different pricing on both ones, uh, which ultimately, you know, people started booking on Airbnb. And the more we think about it, the more we want people to use Airbnb um, because there's um, there's a lot more involvement with Airbnb. Furnish Finder is just transactional. It's they just they link you two up together, and then they step away from the equation. Where Airbnb, you get the insurance through them, you get the leases through them, you've got a rating system. And that's just all more important than, you know, we're not struggling at all to find people. There are so many people looking for this type of property where we haven't had any issues with that. But I think Airbnb is going to uh, come out on top just for the sake of um, becoming a super host like you, Tony. <laughs> awesome, man. Actually, I got my notification this sorting that I got super yeah. host status. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do with I mean, that? I've, you, I've had it for... Are you going to get trophies and wear medals? I've had it for a while now, but I... Oh, you know what? This is the... I think the first time, because it's been a little over a year maybe, but this is the first time I've gotten the $100 Airbnb <laughs> credit. credit. Like if you're so super host <laughs> for, for a year, year yeah. they give you a $100 like gift card or whatever yeah. <laughs> for Airbnb. That was the first time I think I got that, unless I like missed it before and never actually read through stuff. So... <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Anyways, back to you, Tyler. <laughs> no, we could talk about you guys. Okay, so that is an awesome deal on the triplex and really excited you. for you. You guys have to go to Tyler's Instagram too and check out the the photos of the property because it, it turned out beautiful. But let's talk about the next one, the quadplex, because I, I haven't seen that one in person yet. Yeah, you probably don't need to. It's more the same. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, it, it was it was pretty unless you want to. 
Yeah, the quadplex uh, was fully. Um, how do I put this? It, it had tenants that were not the highest quality tenants. So we bought both properties uh, and we inherited tenants on all of them. So the quadplex um, was a, we bought it from a nonprofit who had very little regulation on who they let stay there. Um, so it took us quite a while to even get in there to be able to do the repairs. So we honestly held that one for months. We had to do an eviction. We lost out on a lot of money from uh, the person that uh, ended up getting evicted. It was just a very bad situation. And as you can imagine, these units were in pretty poor shape. They weren't taken care of. So uh, we got in there and we gutted um, three of the four units, interestingly, because one person was receiving state assistance. And we contacted the state and said, hey, what are your rental rates for this you know, this type of property and his uh, unit had been remodeled maybe six, seven years ago. And I'll use finger quotes for remodeled. It was, it was like, you know, landlord special or property manager, cosmetic, nothing, nothing super nice. Not the way that I would like it remodeled. Um, but we reached out and the state one, the state thought that he was in a one bed, one bath. So they were giving him like, I don't know, $850, $900 stipend. And we told him, no, it's a two bed, one bath. And they said, Oh, okay. And just a few months prior, they had increased the uh, allowance with, of what they were paying people. So we got them to come up from 850 or 900 to $1,450 for his unit. So we kept him in there. We didn't remodel his unit and it offset the cost. Well, it subsidized some of the cost of the hard money throughout the process. That right there is a great tip to check if you're inheriting tenants and they are receiving some kind of funding is look into that and see if they are receiving the correct funding or maybe they are eligible for more based on the the type of housing that you're actually providing. Yeah, and I think that that's something it it increases well more times than not. It should increase with uh, appreciation. Where if you've got a state subsidizing someone's rental income, they're not going to expect that they can always get a place for five years ago pricing. So it should increase year over year. So even if you've got uh, you know state assisted tenants, ask every single year, reach out to that uh, organization, and say, hey, did you increase your allowance? And they have no problem writing checks. They have no problem giving you the maximum uh, with my experience, that is the most um, on-time payment I've ever received. It comes two days early every time. But um, yeah, I think that's super important for people that are afraid of, uh, you know, either Section 8 or state-assisted tenants, any of that sort of stuff. It can be the easiest tenant you have, quite frankly. Yeah, I just got an email the other day that the, the housing organization in Buffalo is opening up their list for housing vouchers for the first time in three years. Oh, wow. It's like crazy. Yeah. Okay. So you kept this guy. What happened to the other units? The other three, we went in and did our, you know, standard package where we dig deep and, you know, we fix everything instead of putting lipstick on it. We get down into it and we remodeled all three units, um, not down to the studs because it was plaster and I'm not taking plaster off, but essentially retextured, fixed all the cracks of every square inch of the interiors of all three of these new floors, new kitchens, new bathrooms, you name it, uh, everything visual. So we poured uh, a bunch of money into that. And 
I think so we're in the process of refinancing that one right now. And our, you know, our feet are against the coals right now because we've got until the first of May to get that refinance done. Uh, we still only have one tenant and we have painters there tomorrow painting the interior. And then we have to do backsplash in the bathrooms or, uh, in the kitchens, but those two things, and then it'll be done ready to rent. Um, but yeah, full, uh, full remodel there. So Tyler, what happens if you aren't able to complete the refinance by that initial uh, deadline? So the I'll, I'll say the soft deadline is May first. Um, that's when our twelve month. Um, that's when it matures uh, on the twelve month. Uh, we've spoken to our hard money lender, and we use the same hard money lender for both projects. Um, so it's it's not like we found a different one. Uh, we spoke to him. We said, "Hey, what?" <laughs> we asked him the same question. We said, "What happens if we have to extend? What if it's a couple of days? What if it's because you know you can extend, but I think you have to pay one percent of the loan uh, to extend uh, up to six six months, I think something like that. Um, and I was like, well, if I only need six days, I don't want to pay 1% of the loan. That is a hefty, uh, a hefty amount. So they told us that the hard deadline is actually the 15th. And they were like, we'll have a lot of questions for you between the first and the 15th. But if you get it paid and processed or uh, refinance, finalized and closed before the 15th, he's like, you'll be fine. You won't have to pay that. Um, so we've got a 15 day, uh, grace period, but after that, uh, that's where the, the 1%, um, fee to extend comes in. And in terms of the refinance, are you going with the same portfolio lender that you use on the triplex or is it another lender that you guys have? Yeah. So we ultimately would have loved to shop around a little more, but, uh, the fact that the person that closed on the most recent refinance already has all of our underwriting and we're trying to expedite this in less than 30 days. Uh, we just chose to say, Hey, I really don't care that I'm getting the absolute best rate. I really don't care that, you know, we're finding something that's going to be, you know, best possible. It's really good still. Uh, but we went with, we know that they're going to close and what's the fastest, uh, way to do it is use someone who's already got all your info. Yeah, totally. And convenient that you don't have to resubmit all your information and go through it again with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of updating bank statements for the most prior month. And it's not everything from the ground up. As anyone knows, you know, any closing or refinance or anything like that, uh, underwriting is just such a, a nightmare where you have to, you have to give them every piece of documentation you can come up with and then explanations for all of that. <laughs> so, yeah. Where yeah. did this, where did this $2.70 deposit come from back on April 23rd of 2018? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need your mother's bank yeah. statement. <laughs> you met a guy named Tim in Chicago and, um, yeah, yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff. We went for the path of least resistance on the refi on this one. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, Tyler, you, you've actually absolutely crushed your man in the last year. I think Ash and I are both super um, excited to see the growth you've had, man. And, and thank you. I just last question before we, we go into our rookie exam. Like, what? What's? Uh, never mind. That's in the rookie exam, so we'll get there. Never mind. I'll, I'll hold off on that. So, um, <laughs> all right. So we we've got a new segment. This wasn't here last time you were on the show, but this is called the the rookie exam, where we ask the the most difficult, most penetrating questions you've ever been asked in your life, Tyler. So are you are you ready for this? And no calculators allowed. You have to do the math in your head. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So question number one is: What is one actionable thing rookie should do after listening to this episode? Oh my God! Hands down, network. <laughs> 
I think that is the that is the most important thing that you can do as a rookie. That's the most important thing that you could do as an intermediate or a pro or at any level. Um, and I actually, I'm glad this was the question because when you said, Hey, it's really cool to see you, you've been, you know, you've exploded over the last year. And the only reason that I feel like I have is because I've put myself around people like you guys and you guys are doing the same thing. You're putting yourselves around people that are, you know, bigger and better than you that inspire and motivate you. Uh, and you don't gain that when you're a solo operator, you don't gain that when it's you against the world. So the sooner you realize that everyone in this community wants you to win and wants to help you win, the more of those people you put around you, the better off you're going to be. Whether you have zero deals or a thousand deals, it doesn't matter. Put people around you that are doing what you want to do. And Tyler is a expert uh, networker because he not just only networks with people, but he forces you to be your fr- <laughs> to be his friend too. <laughs> That's right. And, but really, Tyler, you make genuine connections with people. You find things that they're interested in, and you make connections outside of just real estate too. So I've always uh, admired that about you. You do a great job with that. Thank you. I'm very passionate about the way you network, and uh, it's actually something that I'll be speaking about at the rookie boot camp. Um, we weekend coming up here at the end of the month, but, um, networking for the sake of figuring out what's in it for you or having an ulterior motive and not being genuine or not bringing anything to the table. I think there's a lot of wrong ways to do it. Um, and I've always been a people person where I care about the connection that I make more than what comes from it. Um, where I do want to have authentic relationships and friendships, not just for the sake of, oh, I need to call them and ask for a favor. I was nice to them, so they'll do it for me. I really don't care about that part. So I, th- I think uh, the authenticity comes through and that's what you know gets you to the next level. And it's funny, Ashley, I remember you explained the way that I friendship or the way that I network and, and gain friendships is, I think you said I weaseled my way in uh, <laughs> to friendships. Um, but you know, I, I think when it's genuine and authentic, authentic, you know, if, if you can't help, but want to be friends with me, it means I'm doing my job. You know, Tyler, sometimes I hesitate and I praise you because I'll explain, like, you're really good at like finding what other people like and like connecting with them on that level. And I think back on that and like, we connected over turning our zoom calls into a happy hour. So it's like, huh, am I saying that he <laughs> thinks that I like drinking? So that was his connection he made with me. Hey, those are your words, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the next question is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you can't live without? Ooh, that one is tricky because I am uh, historically not good at adopting um, things to make my life easier. Uh, I will say I am trying to change that and trying to systemize uh, my business. Um, The software that I use probably won't, I'll leave that out because it's more of a general contracting software than um, than something other real estate agents could, uh, could take on. But I will say, um, kind of a task manager, um, you know, pick your poison and, and choose whichever one works for you. I know that there's, you know, Asana and Monday and, you know, all sorts of those different ones. I've got one that's specifically catered to um, general contracting and construction and that sort of stuff. Um, probably not for uh, real estate um, investors, but I do feel like that software is something that you should look at sooner than later so that you can help it or have it help your, um, business as you're growing it rather than getting behind the times like I did. And then it's really hard to force all sorts, you know, years and years of doing things, pen and paper or spreadsheet, uh, wise, it's hard to force that into uh, a software when you've gone too far. 
You also have your iPad too, and your Apple Pencil you take everywhere too. I so do. It's just because I like to doodle. The technology that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel like technology is uh, is crucial, and I take a, I still like writing things by hand. Honestly, I mean, you can look at like you said. I take my my Apple Pencil and my iPad, even though it's a uh, it's a computer. I still write by hand on it. It's it's just something. It makes things stick in my brain a little bit more. So. Um, yeah, even if you're archaic, you could still, you know, get with the times and use some technology. All right. Question number three for you, Tyler, where do you plan on being in your business five years from now? Ooh, five years from now, um, my business, I am expecting that it has multiple facets. Um, I'm not sure if we spoke previously about my business, uh, the name or the concept, um, and I'll share it now. It's uh, the business name is Laurelis. And if you're familiar with the term resting on your laurels, I don't have laurels. Good enough is never good enough. And that's a concept that I live by. Those are those are universal uh, truths about everything that I do, no matter if it's work-related, real estate-related uh, or whatever. Um, how you do anything is how you do everything. And that is the whole entire premise behind my business. So my business also is a very universal word that isn't just Laurelis construction, Laurelis remodels, Laurelis XYZ. It can be anything. So uh, I want to expand my business into much more than just uh, residential remodels. I want to expand it into, uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, multifamily um, commercial investing. I want to have a portfolio under the business, um, potentially property management, uh, development ground up builds, custom builds, commercial work, um, pretty any, pretty much any aspect of um, real estate investing and or construction where those two merge. And then honestly, you can, you can dive into anything you want, um, you know, whether it's events, uh, whether it's coaching, you heard it here first, um, whatever it is, I just, uh, I just feel like that concept really, really exhibits what I stand for, the, the Laurelist name. And I'd like to put that in front of everything that I pursue. Tyler, that's great. And we know that you're going to accomplish all of this because look at what just what you've done in a year. I would I would love to see the Laura Less name put on a, a brand or a line of mustache care. I think you could really, really, uh, <laughs> really find some headway there. And that, that's from our producer, Eric. He, 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 he threw that out there. There's there's opportunity there. I feel like there's a, a hole in the marketplace there definitely is. for bes bespoke mustache care. <laughs> it's all about beard care. Everyone's all about beards. How, how are you going to spell that? The must it's going to say Laurel S and it'll be mustache care. K-E-H-R. There you Will go. Will that be the <laughs> I, I I don't know if uh, if you bring enough to the table because you damn sure aren't bringing a mustache to the table. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to this week's Rookie Rockstar. We have Jay Gross. He just closed on his best deal yet, a six-unit complex, each three bedrooms. Purchase price was $5,518. Estimated rehab, $80,000. So he has about $8,500 into it. And the ARV, $250,000. That is awesome. He has a cash on cash return of 55%. Congratulations, Jay. Sorry, can we just comment on like, that's a, that's a crazy purchase price, $5,518. Yeah. So, uh, like how yeah. many units could you get up to if you bought a bunch of those, right? That That's wild. Yeah. That's insane. 
And with only an $80,000 rehab. Right, you know? Too, yeah. to go along with yeah. it, yeah. Like $5,000 in California might be able to buy... I don't know, a closet, <laughs> lumber. <laughs> the cheapest house I bought was 17500 a duplex. Wow. Yeah. It was a duplex. Yeah, it was a duplex. That blows I, still, I have to put like maybe 50 or like 10000 I think, into it over the years, but the cash flow covered that 10000 So really, I didn't put any of my own money into it. Then I sold it three years later for 60000 There you go. So that was a, That's a good, good deal. deal, too. That's yeah. a good deal. Yeah. Not so, a bad turnaround. You guys got to invest in New York. <laughs> Little, little town areas. <laughs> well, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us again. And we're going to have to have you back again next year. We'll make this like a yearly thing. <laughs> I can't wait. No, I appreciate you guys so much. It's been, uh, this platform is, is something that I am so passionate about, um, representing and, you know, giving, giving praise and kudos for all that you guys do for the rookie community. And, and I think, uh, there's no two ways about you guys being super instrumental in my growth. Um, so thank you for, for giving me a platform and, and allowing me to, you know, gain confidence and share my story. You can pay us later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, why don't you let everyone know where they can find out some more information and reach out to you? Uh, the best way to find me is going to be on Instagram. That's where I'm uh, the most active. It is at Tyler Madden, uh, just like it sounds. And my business is linked there as well, if you want to see some of the shenanigans that we get into there. But I'm more active uh, on the personal page. Um, I'm still trying to bring back my MySpace page. Uh, so if there's anyone out there that has uh, <laughs> access to that, um, I think I think there's going to be a comeback coming. I look forward to Googling that after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Tyler has a special announcement. He wasn't kidding when he was going to my co-co-host. Um, Tyler, would you like to go ahead and break the news? Yeah, I would uh, I would love to share that I will be the official co-host for the Rookie Boot Camps uh, with Ashley. I am, uh, I am pleased and honored uh, to be a part of that and share my experience with rookies out there that are trying to either get started or just, you know, oil their, uh, their tracks and make it easier moving ahead if you're already started. Um, so very happy to be part of the team. The unofficial, but now kind of official co-co-host. <laughs> So Tyler was a TA uh, for a couple of the boot camps, and now he's been promoted to co-host, and uh, he's going to be helping me out on the boot camp. So the boot next round of boot camps starts the end of May. So hope you guys can join us. You can go to biggerpockets.com forward slash boot camps to find out some more information. I'm Ashley at Welcome Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. But first, let's find out what's happening at biggerpockets.com. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals.
get an agent, get the deal and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.